Welcome to a new episode of Craft Beer Conversations, where the beer and the conversation is always on me. Ascension Brewing Company in Novi is unique in that there isn't really a head brewer, but a team of four brewers operating as a creative hive. I spoke with Brendan Sabo, Ben Gould, Mike Creighton, and Nate Callery about how they push each other to make better beers, what the future holds for Ascension, and what's driving their popular canning line. Just off the bat, what's the style here at Ascension? When you guys go into a brew, obviously you have an idea in mind, but like, what, what do you think about, what do you try to accomplish? I know we're dictated by the seasons, right? Things are a little bit darker usually, but outside of that, how do you guys approach a brew? Well, truthfully, it's kind of a funny situation for that. Um, we are really brewing what we want to actually drink. So when it comes down to like, let's say we make an IPA, it's what we actually want to drink. So that's gonna be our hop pick. That's what we feel the hops that we'd like to drink. Um, when we make a stout, the seasoning on the stouts are basically what we feel would work in the stout is kind of how we're going to make that stout. So that one's candied walnut, um, the grill juice that you currently have in front of you. And we, we kind of talk about in a group for a couple of days before we actually add in the adjuncts to the beer, which is the walnuts themselves, of kind of how they're going to work with the beer, how the flavor is going to work. Um, between the four of us, we all kind of bounce off ideas off our heads with each other just to kind of see if we can really make something kind of melt together. Um, it's good having four people with very good palates here um, because you can kind of bounce ideas off each other and make sure that we're going the right direction with it. Um, I mean, Chow, Mike, with the IPAs, you're one of the best that I know of. I'm a hophead. Or I'm a hophead, so, you know, I, I, I go for those big, bold um, flavors, um, especially with the New Englands. Um, you, you definitely want to bring out as much fruit characteristics and um, those soft, uh, tropical flavors. Um, but just, you know, you kind of get an idea of what you want, um, and then, yeah, just, you know, sit down, with, sit down with the group and figure it out. What's that in front of you right there? Um, so what I'm drinking right now is our only cans. It's a double IPA. Um, it's hopped with um, Enigma. Nelson Savine and uh, Citra. So you know, this is something that I that I know that you guys do, whether it's conscious or not. I assume it is probably conscious. But how do you challenge yourselves, right? This is such a, an evolving industry; things are constantly changing, and you guys have this dynamic with the four of you. I wonder how that helps moves things move things forward. How that helps you guys kind of expand and and grow. Well, truthfully, uh, the reason we don't we like brewing beer is because we're not afraid to try new things here. Uh, we're not stuck in um, an old school brewing method, or we're not stuck in our ways here. We kind of feel like we can always expand and, and improve ourselves here. And when it comes down to making the beers that we feel that are going to be popular, um, we just kind of go look at the industry, see what's going on around social media. Uh, we kind of see where the trends are going um, and. Luckily for us, we've kind of been evolving with those trends. And for me, it was really hard at first to try to do some of these beers because I'm a very traditional brewer. Uh, I come from the older industry where clear beer was kind of the key. Uh, IPAs were bitter, not juicy, and stouts were roasty, not sweet. So um, in today's industry, it's, it's weird for a brewer like me to try to do these kind of things. That's why we, I re rely upon other guys in my group to help push us through. Um, 
It took me a year. It took me a year to push him to put uh, to brew a New England IPA. But you know, it was um, in I think it was April 2014. I did a trip out to uh, Philadelphia, and I went to a, a phenomenal brewery just outside the city called Tired Hands, and that brewery opened up my eyes to the East Coast IPA, and. To this day, I consider Tired Hands is my one of my favorite breweries on the face of Earth, and it's, a lot of our inspiration comes from some of their beers. Tell me about. I was looking at your website. Tell me about your canning program, right? I mean, especially right now, right when packaged beer sales are key. I mean, we all want to be sitting, you know, elbow to elbow in a place like this, but that's not going to happen, at least not the way it, it was anytime soon, even if people are allowed back in shortly. But, but tell me about your canning program and, and what that's like. So our canning program, we have an ABE canning line. Uh, it does about 15 cans per second as of right now. Um, we were very lucky to actually have a canning line in place prior to the whole quarantine shutdown. Um, and it really has been the saving grace for us. Uh, at this point right now, we, uh, last year we did 110,000 cans out of this little facility. And um, we learned very fast during the, the start of the quarantine back in March that we had to get beer out there and we couldn't rely on the tap room anymore. Uh, one of the biggest fixes for us is that we realized that you could sell beer online. And with the online sales, it's really saved our company it's, it's saved our jobs, and it's allowed us to actually push forward and maybe increase our capacity in the future. Um, we're hoping to, you know, make more beer for more people to enjoy. And um, with quarantine, with the whole shutdown, with everything that's happened, we've truthfully been able to kind of focus on just making beer. And it's been great for us. And kind of on the flip side of that, obviously the, the, the focus, the ability to do that is great, but what do you miss when the tap room looks like this uh, all the time, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, the quality of your beer probably has improved, but like, I know this outside space where we're sitting wouldn't exist. It would just be what's behind me, yeah. right? But so, what's it like not having the people in this space? We were just talking about this actually this morning. Uh, one of our pub tenders uh, we haven't seen in a while was here yesterday working, and uh, she sat down after hours and had a beer with us at the same table, and. We were literally just so happy to talk to somebody else, <laughs> which is, it has not been the case for us for the past about nine months. Um, between the four brewers here, we've basically quarantined together. We really haven't seen anybody outside of our family or uh, basically us four in the past nine months. And when we, when we see people here that we can actually talk to, it's awesome. So the one thing we really do miss is the actual like, public interaction with people here. And the energy, the energy. It's, it's weird coming into here and seeing it quiet, the chairs on the shell, on, on the tables. Um, I mean, it's dusty in here because no one's been in here for months. So it's, it's just, it's weird for us. So then let me, let, let, let me put this together, right? So obviously you, while this has been going on, you said you've been able to kind of focus inward. So what does that mean when you're able to combine that with when people return, right? Like what's that going to be like over the next, you know, several months when people are allowed to come back in and those that still have been experiencing at home can experience what you say and certainly uh, taste that way has been an evolved product. I mean, that's got to be pretty exciting to bring everybody back and to have, it's like, it's like you go into quarantine and you lose 25 pounds and you see everybody and they're like, oh my God. And so I wonder for you guys what that's going to be like to finally be able to present to the people as opposed to just like, you know, pick up and go. 
it's going to be different. Um, once quarantine hopefully is over with here, um, who knows when. But we, we are really hoping that we can actually provide more beer for more people to actually try. Uh, the one of our biggest problems that we have is our brew house is so small that we can only produce so much beer. And I would like to have a beer like Gorilla Juice, which is a stout you're drinking on tap at all times, for people to try that. Uh, it's just really hard for us to do that. Uh, one big focus for this year is actually make more beer. And hopefully more that... More variety or more quantity or More both. quantity. So more distribution, uh, more availability in the store shelves, and um, just more options in the tap room here. And... Moving forward from this point, we have a plan in place. We are making some moves right now to make more beer for the public and to get it out there. Um, the quarantine's kind of uh, helped us focus our energy just on the idea of making beer right now. And if you don't make good beer right now in, this, in the quarantine right now, it's just not selling. Um, so our one big focus is making sure the beer actually, you know, touches our customer and make sure they actually like it and want to rebuy it. Because if they don't rebuy it right now, the company's no longer here. You talk about distribution and getting your beer out there. What's it like fighting for shelf space? Like there are so many, there are so many good breweries around here. You guys know that. And a lot of them who weren't canning before are canning now for obvious reasons. I just, I wonder what it's like you know, getting on a shelf today. Like, I can't, I can't imagine the, the, the fight. No, and I, no matter how good your beer is. It, the shelf is a scary thing. Um, I actually, my beer industry start was in the retail area. So I understand when you're looking at a shelf of beer and you see, like, you know, 30 to 40 different brands, you know, 160 different products possibly, uh, it's, you know, it's overwhelming. And go walk into a beer store and trying to pick a product that you, might like, might not I like. I was at Holiday Market last week. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it's great, right? You're like, oh, man. But, but again, like, the getting, not only getting it there, but then getting me to pick it up. Yeah. I, think our, uh, I think we really strive to uh, push our artwork on our cans so that it really catches your eye. And uh, Greg um, Willett, our, um, he's our graphic designer. He's been doing an awesome job. So props to him, you know. I, but, yeah, I mean, that would be another way to really grasp a, uh, you know, the attention of the, the consumer. Well, and I'm, you know, I, I'm so glad you said that because I was going to ask about the aesthetics, right? I look at your cans mm -hmm. and I see how pretty they are and I see that, that it's not just a can, right? There's more to it than that. And so I wonder how important the aesthetics are and especially when you talk about the beer in front of you too, that how it's, how it's the, the milky, the cloudiness. So I, I wonder, obviously taste is important. If it doesn't taste good, the rest of it doesn't matter. But for, me, for it to taste good, I have to pick it first. And so I wonder just how important the aesthetics are for you guys. So, I mean, I, you know, I'm a big fan of watching cooking shows. And one of the yeah, big things they, they always say is you eat with your eyes first. Yeah. And so like, when we work with Greg on a beer, a lot of times we'll sit down uh, weeks in advance and we'll pitch him, you know, 10, 20 ideas for different things. And we'll just kind of work through it. And he'll draft things and come back to us and we'll feedback off and off each other. And um, that, I mean, that works really well when we have a clear idea of the beer in mind already. Uh, when we have a beer ready to go, sometimes it's a little bit of a marathon to get a label ready. Like our quarantine and chill beer, we had this label ready you know, like months in advance of the beer being ready. And that was a function of tank space being taken up. But um, 
we focus with Greg a lot on getting eye-catching cans so that someone picks up our beer and then we focus on making beer that looks appetizing because if you pour it in your glass and it looks like mud, right. you're not going to want to drink it. Right. You guys at Ascension, this place, the first of its kind here in, in Novi, and I wonder, we talked about what you miss with the customers. I wonder, you know, in quote-unquote normal times, like what the relationship is with the customer here. That's Our customer base here is actually really close with us. I mean, we constantly have direct interaction with our customer. Um, I'll secretly go out when we have beer releases in the line and just kind of hang out, not tell who I am, and just talk to people out there. Um, uh, literally, when I was getting started in a home brewer about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, um, a lot of our customers were friends of mine in the homebrew community. So doing that, it was kind of fun to actually meet people at that point. And then when we actually opened the brewery up, um, having those customers or friends of the homebrew industry become customers of ours and then tell the word out to their friends and then their friends tell the word out to the next people, it's really helped us out a lot. Um, we feel like having the brew house directly in front of the people here um, is a way for anybody that's in the industry or wants to get in the industry or is interested in the industry to talk to us. And they can literally watch us make beer any second that we're open here. Um, it is really interesting literally having a brew house, you know, five feet away from a bar space and it being actually operational 24 hours a day. Anybody can come in here when we're actually open to talk to us about the brewing process. Is that worth, is that worth the challenge? Because I know having that the way it is, is. It's scary. It is, and it's not easy. And so, so obviously it's a function of space because you can't yeah. just magically have more space. But I, I wonder if, if, like you said, that interaction is worth the challenge of having it the way it is. Um, well, the brew house, originally when we built it, it was, it was fairly dangerous, so we didn't actually run it while we had customers in here. And then about three years ago, we decided to rebuild it to make it safe to actually run with customers in here. Um, we felt safe enough at this point right now that this thing can run. Customers can literally walk up to it five feet away from it, um, and then they can ask us questions. It's... It's, it's very knowledgeable like when they can actually talk to somebody that's been brewing you know, for a long time and they want to get into it. It makes them more comfortable, I think. Um, you can kind of tell them the do's and don'ts real fast, the ideas behind brewing, the basics of what to do and what not to do. I mean, and what is that? What is the interaction like, right? I mean, there's, there's like two kinds of cramp beer consumers. It's more complicated than that, but there are people that are like, you guys and like me that have been all over the place everywhere but then there are people that are just getting in and so I wonder obviously you're gonna get questions from both but the questions are gonna be a lot different and so I just I wonder what the interaction is like the fun questions of the people that have never actually seen brewing before and they look at our brew house and they're going how do you guys brew all the beer here where do you guys store all that? It's like, uh, well, we actually have a basement below this area and we try to explain to them that this is just basically the area where we make the tea and send right. it downstairs and add the yeast to. Um, those are always the fun interactions. I enjoy those ones. Um, really, for us, the people that are really good brewers that come in here and see the, what we're doing, um, those are also very fun because now they understand what they're looking at. They see the differences between their homebrew system and our system, which our system really is a glorified homebrew system. We're at a small enough size where um, I mean, it's a nano brewery. It's a nano brewery, yeah. Uh, it's it's a nano brewery on steroids, kind of. 
Right. It's a nanobrewery, but it doesn't produce as if it was yeah. a nanobrewery. And I, again, I know things are different, and they won't be this way forever. So I wonder, like, the food menu here is super strong, right? I mean, this, this is so much more than just a brewery. And I wonder what the conversation is like or what the, the process is like to make sure the two pair well. Obviously, if the product in the kitchen is good and the beer is good, they'll pair fine. But I wonder if it, the process, thinking-wise, goes further than that. Um, so when it comes to the food pairing, uh, the one thing that we do have in our kitchen team is they're very young. Um, we're a very young team here. I mean, our average age in this facility is between 20 and 25 years old, I'm guessing. Uh, I'm only 33. Chow's 33. Ben, you're 28. 28. I'm the oldest person. I'm 35. I'm the yeah. oldest person in the room. Can I tell you how many times that's happened? Yeah. Now, I know that's what I'm saying. That I'll tell you what, that has never happened. I've been around... Brewers that are younger than I am, obviously, but never like that. It's, it's, it's nice to have the young perspective in the industry because... They're, they're a lot more uh, open-minded. Well, so, okay, so, so now I've got to ask, like, what is that like? Right? I mean, obviously, the craft beers, the industry, the people that enjoy it, has getting, it gets wider and wider and wider and wider, right? Now it's... A, it's everywhere you go, there's something for somebody because of the amount of offerings, the styles. Even people like my wife who just cannot stand. I, every, everywhere I go, I just I bash her. It's terrible. I should stop doing this. But she can't. But I can give her like a Rubeus, right? I can find her something somewhere. If it doesn't almost, taste like beer, it's good for her, right? <laughs> it, gets, it gets us both in the door, right? But the the... The, the industry itself, as far as people that are moving it, seem to be a little bit younger, but a lot of the brewers, and especially people that are in charge, are older just because it's not cheap. It's very expensive to start one and to manage a place like this, so I wonder what advantage it does give you. You talk about perspective, you talk about flexibility, I, so just tell me what that's like, having, having the, the youth kind of be like in charge. And again, not, not the youth, but you know what I mean. Well, I think I've worked at a few different breweries run in various degrees by people of differing ages. And I think the biggest advantage to having a core group of younger people is that they're much less constrained by style guidelines and even preconceived notions of what things should be. I mean, I think we're the generation that would just walk into McDonald's and mix everything on the, you know, soda pop yeah, machine. Yeah, you probably, to, you probably can't call it a suicide anymore, but they used to call them, it was, we used to call them suicides, right? Yeah. One of everything. Yep. Yes. So, you know, we're not afraid to walk Hell in yeah. one day and be like, hey, guys, um, I saw online they got like 35 pounds of this, you know, like strawberry puree and some, I don't know, vanilla latte powder. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Like, you know, um, whereas I think the key factor of having people who are a little older is they do have a bit more restraint on things. They have a little more knowledge and experience where they can say, okay, let's hold off on something. We need to make a, we don't need to make a passion decision right now. We need to make more of a business decision and like rearrange our schedule, hold off. So I think having a mix of people, it really brings a stronger, uh, I don't know, I'm blanking on the word I want to use, but no, but better I, I, balance to the whole team. I, I and I get it, and it it just seems to me that it would allow you guys, like you said, to be a little more flexible. And you talk about restraint, and there's certainly positives to that because I'm not talking about right here, but sometimes you see a beer and you're like, you know, you didn't have to do that. I'm not sure why you did that. Is it is 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 it terrible? No, but okay. Uh, but there, there's got to be, and you were the, the balance, 
right? To where it's like you push, but then at a certain point it's like, okay, like we do we do we do I need to drop 15 Swedish fish inside of this? Like I've, and maybe I did. I, I don't know. And so to me, that's what's most interesting is that it's not about ignoring the classic styles because you can't do that. If you don't have a good base, the rest of the flavor is going to be off. Right. But it allows you to once you understand that deviate a little bit and do it without I don't want to say thinking about it but worrying about it I mean truthfully for us the classic styles I mean us four we like drinking lagers so our new push this year is you know trying to make the cleanest nicest lager possible I would say that's our going back to your challenge question that's going to be our newest challenge is to produce the best lagers that we can um, you know going forward so. We, we see the lager industry kind of popping up. People are going back to traditional styles again. I feel like almost people are uh, over-desensitized to these crazy beers that yeah. they kind of want to have just a nice crisp beer again. I tell you what, I, and I don't, I'm no expert. I'm, I'm just not, but I've done a lot of these. And I always ask people, uh, what's next? And you guys have already answered the question, so I won't bother. Uh, but it's interesting to me, since I, we started doing this like 18 months ago, and that's almost the same answer every time. And, and you see it when you go and go, go to a release or go into a place like Holiday or anywhere where people do want less of just the, hey, let's see if we can... The craziness. How many different things can we put into the one beer, right? And I'm not saying that was a bad time, right? Because it was, it was a wild time. But I, I feel like not only is that ending... But it's like, you know, when you drive in Michigan and it's wet and snowy, they tell you not to overcorrect. I, and I feel like there's an overcorrection, and not in a bad way, but it's like we went so far to one direction, people want something a lot more simplistic. Whether it's in, in even places I see a lot more of near beers or things in the threes and fours, people want to be able to enjoy things differently. And I think that the more simplistic style is going to be predominant over the next, uh, who knows how long, but I, I, I feel that same, everybody says that same thing. I mean, truthfully, the lager really is like the original beer, in my opinion, and I mean, you really can't get any better than a nice, properly produced, crisp lager. It, it's so refreshing. Uh, it makes the pastry stouts just seem like they're just too sweet for you. Um, sorry. And I mean, I, I don't think any of us think things like New England IPAs and pastry stouts are going away. Certainly not necessarily but and like i wouldn't want this to go away yeah. right here right with no i mean drink that beer in particular like i love that beer <laughs> i was like I, but every time know. i it's like keep looking at my lips i should stop doing it but it's the the, the residual <laughs> it's a very the, much love-hate relationship yeah. with that beer because i've gotten some trouble with that beer <laughs> but i think i think the beer industry like all others it kind of goes in cycles where you know, some something happens and it gets amped up and amped up and amped up and brought all the way up to the point where it almost gets too ridiculous and then everyone's like hey remember this other thing <laughs> right and then that'll keep going. It'll just be the next thing and yeah. the next thing. And at the end of the day, you know, a clear, crispy beer, you know, everyone loves cracking a nice, easy drinker at one point or another during their day. Plus, I love seeing the pictures online of people still pouring their lagers. We get the foam, like, yeah, two feet above the, the glass. I mean, that's, like, one of the best pictures ever. That was my conversation with Ascension Brewers, Brandon Sabo, Ben Gould, Mike Creighton, and Nate Callery. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss anything across the Metro Detroit craft beer landscape and beyond. Plus, you can always follow me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. That way you'll always know what I'm up to. 